Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the True North CFL podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at TaylorCurrySK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington. And uh, just to plug our social media here, you can follow us on Instagram at True North CFL Podcast. We're on Twitter uh, at True North CFL Pod and YouTube at True North CFL Podcast. We're also on Spotify. Search us up. You'll find us. And uh, make sure you follow us and subscribe and like our stuff. Yeah, for sure. Especially follow those socials. Working on building those right now. We're, we're starting to yeah. post more and be more active on there. So it's definitely worth a follow. Now We need Twitter followers. Oh, Twitter, yeah. We, yeah. we need the Twitter followers, guys. Come through. But um, back to this game. Congratulations to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the 107th Grey Cup Championship. Beating the Hamilton Tiger Cats 33 to 12 in McMahon Stadium. Ouch. Now, before we get into the topics, I'm gonna let our bomber fan Carter here, who has never seen a Winnipeg Championship in his life, take a little victory lap here and give you a brief speech. Oh, it it feels so good. Like I, this, <laughs> you guys, you guys have gotten to experience this multiple times in your life. Like this is the first for me. Growing up, like, I'm 19, for those uh, listening that don't know. So, you know, it was 10 years since our last championship when I was born. And so, you know, growing up, I had ties with the Bombers. I'd go in every day, and it was always, like, 10 years, and it would just stay that way for what seemed like ever. Pretty much was for me. And so seeing these guys and seeing them sort of like, you know, they start off so hot and like, of course, you know, I'm saying it's our year. Everyone's saying it's our year, whatever. And then, you know, Nichols gets hurt. Then Strevler starts to underperform, which I mean, he picked it back up, but at the time he was on a downtrend and then everyone's saying like, oh, you know, you're going to get knocked out in the first round and then acquiring Kaleos. There was just so many question marks and to see them all be answered and like to see the defense play so well at the end of the season when a lot of people were claiming that, myself included, were claiming that the um, the secondary were too were too open for like every game, it was nice to see them. Like just they sort of they got everything together, and it was great to see. And it was like finally a Winnipeg team playing to their potential, and I love to see that. All right, good speech. So congratulations. Yep, congratulations you, on the W. Well, let, let's cut over the Ticats now. What got into them this game? Ooh, well, I think uh, I think there's two big names there. It would be Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. Uh, <laughs> they yeah. had such an impact on that game alone, just those two guys. like That that offense couldn't get set to do anything. And then Brandon Banks gets quote-unquote hurt and deletes his Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, so, I mean, I heard, yeah. I heard that that was a hernia. Yeah, but yeah, he he got mad. He got uh, he got some retribution. Well, he talked a lot and, of crap uh, on Twitter too. And then exactly. He pulled a Bo yeah. Levi Mitchell, and for those who don't know, Bo pretty much did the exact same thing. He talked a lot of trash before a game, and then got blown out and deleted his Twitter. I think Banks did something similar. Yeah. So yeah, but I really think it was the defense, and it just shook that whole team. That that's what I think happened. 
Uh, yeah, like you guys know how much I'd love to sit here and talk about how good of a game Jeff Coat and Jefferson did. But I mean, there's one guy who he only had one play, but my God, it's a play that's going to stick with me for a long, long time. Special teams. The Adric Hansen. The global player. Clobbering. Oh, yes. Two guys, the German that was global nuts. player. Yeah. Just absolutely takes them out. And I'm he sat threw. there like. He, he drilled that he guy into a. Yeah, that was amazing. Like, he threw him at another person. I know, it was amazing to watch. I had a viewing party, and, like, everyone here was just screaming. Like, hey, (laughs) like, it was just, uh, it was ridiculous. So, uh, that was a big momentum play as well, because, like, you know, it's one guy just with that instant, like, that, that's going to give you so much momentum on special teams, sort of. And that takes away a lot of momentum from them, because, like, you know, you're watching, and then you're just done. You're just on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So, Theadric Hansen, um, congratulations on a great first year as a global player. There was a lot of talks about, you know, global players in general just not being great acquisitions to the team. So, it's great that you were able to do such a high-impact play in such a game as the Championship Grey Cup. Absolutely. There were a couple of global players who had moments this year, but now we have one doing something in the Grey Cup. So, you can't say anymore, That's oh, huge. they've had no impact. They have. That that instantly legitimizes CFL 2.0, in my opinion. It does, for sure. And one of the things that was stressed uh, to us when this began is, these aren't the best guys that are coming over right now. That's going to be next year. So Theodric Hansen, he's been a contributor for Winnipeg on defense and special teams. He was considered probably the best CFL player available in the global draft. He's not the best... There's better players that are going to be coming over next year, so CFL 2.0 is going to be even more fun to watch next year. Yeah, which is nice, because, you know, we were all sort of questioning it at some points. For sure. Now, oh yeah, I still got to answer this question about Hamilton. Frick, <laughs> kind of got, we got off into a tangent, you know, praising Theodric Hansen there, but... um. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't think their O-line showed up. They must have missed the plane or something, and they must have pulled some uniforms on some people in the crowd, I guess, because you guys talked about it. Jeff Coat and Jefferson were all over the backfield this game and all up in Zach, Zach, or not Zach, sorry, Dane Evans' space, and he was uncomfortable the entire game. Visibly, we could see that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah. it wasn't like... just Jeff Coat and Jefferson. Drake Nevis got in on the action, too, a little bit. So it was that entire line yeah. that just, they they weren't there. I, I just I I think, don't know what else to say, you know? I, I think the play that sort of showed the mental state that Dane had towards the end of the game, it was when, um, it was like the second fumble in a row, but this one, it was from uh, Jeff Coat. He knocks it out, falls on it. And Dane Evans literally gets up, looks at him for half a second, and turns and storms off the field. Oh, he was so he angry. He was so mad. Yep. And, like, seeing that, it was like they had just gotten into their heads, and, like, they probably... What probably killed it for them was that they came out in... Like, at the end of the... Like, after halftime, and nothing changed. Because, you know, you sit down at halftime, we're down, but we can bring it back. But then you run into the exact same problem, and that's just a heartbreaker. For sure. Another yeah, thing that kind of showed they gave up this game was they. I think there was still a good amount of time left, but they ran the ball twice and it 
just killed some of the drives that they actually really needed at the time. Yeah. So it looked like they had given up within, you know, around three minutes left in the game, which is kind of sad because this is the championship game. You know, you gotta you gotta try. You can't just now here's, give up. Here's what I'm wondering because there was um you you guys know how crazy good Harris played in that game. Yes, but there was that one play that really stands out to me. I don't think it was. Yeah, this play didn't end up in a touchdown. It was a second and seventeen. That handoff. How much of that was him having the best game of his career, and how much of that was Hamilton just being non-existent? I think they helped definitely, but I mean, nobody could have stopped Andrew Harris on Sunday. Like, yeah, he he was getting that great cup whether his team was going to be there or not. True. Yeah, like like if anybody else didn't show up on offense, he would have he would have drove it. But yeah, yeah, you could have given it to Harris every single play. They probably still would have. Had one hell of a game, so yeah, yeah, yep. And then that kind of leads us into our next question here: What was more impressive, Winnipeg's offense or defense? Because they were both really dominant. You know, I I think in ways they were both really good, but you got to give it to the defense. That was the number one offense in the league. You know, for like they had the best receiver, arguably, and like Dane Evans came out of nowhere and was lighting the league up and their run game really picked up in the last few weeks. So, I'm giving it to Winnipeg's defense. Like their offense did great, but their their defense just did that much better. Yeah, the defense stole the show. I mean, if you're looking at it, it's 12 points against the number 1 team in the league. Pretty much everyone agrees that Hamilton was the team to beat. They were even though they're coming out of the East, they are, you know, they're the top dogs. Yeah, cats. Um, (laughs) 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 Excuse me. It's okay. Um, But yeah, watching the entire defense, just the turnover ratio was seven to one. Yeah. Like, and the one, give credit to the offense, the one was in garbage time just trying to run the ball on third and six. Like, you know? They they both played amazing, but I think the defense, yeah, the defense just totally stole the show because they had like I think they had four turnovers, three or four turnovers just in the first half, or like five in the first half. I don't know how many it was in the first quarter. Yeah, they, well, they were on top of him right from the start of the game. Like, yeah, what was it, was it? I think the second snap, like he was sacked fumbled his, right it, away. Um, it was what well, was his Dane Evans' first throw was picked. Yeah. Off. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you could just tell almost from there that, oh, this is going to be a bad day for Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Winnipeg's defense made, you know, the number one offense in the league look like the Ottawa Red Blacks. So, I think you have to give it to this defense. Now it's the point of, it's almost like now re-signing. Apparently, Jefferson really wants to come back now. Oh, well, I can imagine. You just want to ring. Yeah, right? Right, exactly. Like, uh, someone asked him, I was like, I, someone on social media was like, um, like, do you want to resign? Like, how, like, um, like, how badly do you want to resign? And then Jefferson responded with, well, the city's making it pretty hard for me not to want to come back. Exactly. So it's like, I will just warn you as a, as a Ryder fan that I think he said the same thing to Edmonton and he did say, he did that say the same thing too, as Saskatchewan so. for just, sure. Just tread lightly. Oh, just yeah. tread lightly. Oh, okay? no. It's his way of saying he's leaving. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait until, yeah, I'll wait until there's pen to paper or until I see like some sort of confirmed source. 
because he fits so well there. Like I hope he does, but yeah, you just I gotta mean, be careful. I know we're gonna talk about some big fish free agents when we have our free agency shows, but I'm betting he goes to Calgary. They need really? they need D lineman. Yep. I can't see it. I can. I see Saskatchewan somehow, or most likely Winnipeg. I think I think he sticks. I I honestly do. I think it's a race between Winnipeg and Calgary because, like I said, Calgary needs the D lineman, and you know Winnipeg you just want a chip. So maybe if Kyle Walters gets to him quick enough after this, he'll sign there. He's got chemistry with uh, like Jefferson's got chemistry with Jeffcoat. They both like they worked out this off this past off season. They're probably going to work out again this off season. Yeah, I can see well, it. And, and in Calgary, like I don't know if they're willing to pay a defensive guy like him high dollars. Like they're not, they're not really known for that, and they got a lot of money in the bow bucket. So with Winnipeg having possibly two quarterbacks again next year, they'll have some money to go around. You know what I mean? Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's a it's a potential thing again. They might. It depends that's, yeah, that's, what Willie's asking for. You know. That's yeah. the thing. It's like Nichols is going to be cheaper than he was on his last extension if we decide to go that route. Strevler won't be asking for a crazy amount more because of the way that he played this year. He'll yeah. ask for a pay raise, but not a crazy one, you know? Yeah. And Caleros can't really ask for a crazy amount either because he's only, like, even though, yeah, he played like a monster, it's only been, what, four games? Four games. Yep. Yeah, exactly. What, so it's like. When's you, the Zach you statue being season. built? I want to know that in Winnipeg. <laughs> it's already happening, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should uh, be. Him and Harris. But, um, yeah, just... Yeah, Zach. Props for reviving his career there. Um, yeah, right? Dude. No, what a like, story. I thought he was Everyone done. Said he, Everyone said, yeah. Like, I was even saying, like, dude, just retire after this year. But now it's like, no. <laughs> now that you did well for your do team, that it's again. like, no. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, man. yeah, like, you really think of his story, you know, first game of the year, injured, you're traded to a different team, and then you're traded to another team, and then you're starting, you're beating the other best teams in the league, and then you win a championship. Like, it, it, it's an incredible story. I think I think what we've heard is that like as someone who's in the esports scene a little bit more than I think you two are, uh, a lot of teams when they go through a big change like this, they go through a thing called the honeymoon phase, where everything just clicks and it'll be for a couple months where everything just goes right, and that's before like any you know personality issues or before any of those things or like in-game yeah. issues happen. Yeah. I think that was a little bit of it, but I'm not gonna complain. Like, I was looking at it, and I was like, man, everything's just going a little bit too right, you know? But I yeah, <laughs> I was just so happy in the moment, so. I mean, if Zach does want to play longer, I know Toronto said they have a strong chance of re-signing him. I really hope yep. to God he stays in Winnipeg, because that Toronto O-line couldn't protect yeah, you he's... from anything, you know? Like, their O-line's garbage, but whereas... In Winnipeg, you know, Zach was hardly touched, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. if he really wants to continue his career, he needs to sign somewhere like Winnipeg, and I'm sure they'd be more than willing to have him back after this season. See, yeah. and that's what I was kind of wondering, like, if, okay, if you're Kyle Walters, who are the two G, like, the two quarterbacks you're trying to sign? Like, are you trying to get Strevler Nichols? Caleros, Nichols, Strevler, Nichols, or Caleros, sorry, yeah, like, 
who would be the, the two guys you'd want on your team? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I would go with uh, Kalaros and Streller. Uh, stick with what got you there, man. Yeah, um, they just won you a really? great cup. Yeah, because me, the, Str- for- the Streller works with the Wildcat better than I've really seen any other professional team do it. And Zach's a better quarterback than Nichols. So, yeah, I'd go for me, that tandem. For me, I'm going, like, this is a weird one. I'm going Nichols Caleros, and the reason why it sucks, I like it. it really sucks because Strebler, you know, he got us there, and like he played really well. But at the end of the day, if we're able to hold on to guys like you know, Lucky Whitehead's probably not getting a lot of NFL offers right now. If he not gets this year. Oh, definitely not. If he, if he, <clears throat> if we resign him and he resurfaces, if um, you know, we play Janarian Grant on offense a little bit more, we can have those style run plays where you don't know who to watch with Nick Dembski and Harris as well. So it's almost like, do you need another one of those? It's nice that you have one that can throw the ball, but I mean, Darvin Adams has been able to throw the ball a couple of times. True. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very true. I mean, so what I what I do personally is I put Nichols and Caleros on around three hundred thousand a year deals because that's probably what they both want, and then I tell them as they go into training camp, starting spots open. Whoever plays better in preseason and training camp gets it. Ooh, yeah, that that's a very generous like move as, as a GM to put six hundred thousand into both quarterbacks combined. I would probably <laughs> do. I would I would do Zach and Strebler because I think you could probably get Zach for three hundred, if not less. And then Strebler, he's probably making around, I think probably eighty to a hundred thousand. Oh, I think he's probably a league minimum. Yeah, because he he's on a I rookie deal right next- now, so. But for his next contract, he's, is he? Wait, does that rookie contract go till next year? Uh, no, it's like, no, it's already, done this yeah, year. He's a free yeah, it's agent. It's done this year because yeah. they're two-year deals. Honestly, honestly, I expect him if he if he gets resigned here, hundred and eighty k. I could see that. Oh yeah. no way! That's way too much. Oh yeah. I'm thinking that uh, because he probably makes around eighty to hundred k because the league minimum salary as of I think this year and last year was fifty k and generally uh, they with, raised oh, it. I think they, yeah, they, they raised, raised it to it. eighty, but for um. <laughs> No, 62. Oh, 62? Okay. So yeah, there were 62, 62 or 65. Yeah. 62 or 65, let's go with that. It but is five. Typically, they <laughs> they pay quarterback rookies a little bit more to entice them to come up north and play, so he's probably but, making around eighty to to $100,000 right now. If he wants to stay for $150,000 to $100,000, I would keep him and then bring Zach back. Because like I said, stick with what got you there. Yeah, here's the other catch though. If the CFL is only want, like only letting you have two active QBs on your roster next year, you're, you might have a little more money to spend between two guys compared to three. Not that you have to pay the third guy a lot, but I mean, all I'm saying is that if you can only have two QBs start, that's fine. And I'm gonna apologize to Mike Miller right now because he had one hell of a year. But Shuffler's taking your starting spot at fullback. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be kicking and screaming if they bring in that rule of only two quarterbacks for team. That's so bush league. Oh, you know? it'd be ridiculous. Like you gotta but, be kidding me. What other professional league limits the amount of players so you can have a one position? This isn't yeah, the '80s, exactly. You know, and you know it's interesting. I was listening to the sports cage for a little bit on the way home today, and I'm not sure who it was on there, but they did say that there's a rumor going around that Chris Strebler might try the NFL this offseason. Oh, yeah, I heard but not that. As a, not as a quarterback, but more of a Taysom Hill, you know, kind of your 
backup Wildcat plays special teams quarterback. I can see that, honestly. Yeah, if it's going to become a thing, but... Yeah, maybe. It's going to be interesting. Because the NFL coordinators love to steal from each other, so I'm sure someone's got that bright idea. Maybe I could find a quarterback like Taysom Hill somewhere, and then here's Chris Strubler, you know, but... Yeah, exactly. Who knows? And then, since we kind of answered one of our other questions we have listed here, did the extra game help the Bombers to have more momentum in this win, or do you think it really didn't have an effect on them? I think it helps Zach and the offense gel. But other than that, I think Winnipeg, like, it just showed in that first playoff game that they weren't going to be stopped. So uh, I think, yeah, it helps Zach and the offense gel, but, it, like, the defense was ready to go. Uh, sorry, could you repeat the question? Like, I'm just trying to figure out what you're okay. trying to get me to... Uh, did the extra game... Essentially, did the extra game help the Bombers build momentum like into this the, game? Like uh, the semifinal? Yeah, because they had to play the semi and the West oh, final to yeah, get here. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think absolutely. Um, well, I think actually the thing that helped them the most, I don't know if that extra game would have... Like, the extra game helped, but I think the biggest kicker was the uh, Week 21 bye. And so he just got that extra week mm. to sit, oh. read the playbook, understand things a little bit better. So that way when he went into the playoffs, he knew what he was doing. I feel like he, if, if, he, if they finished first, then he, <clears throat> excuse me again, sorry, I have a really bad cough. Um, if, they, um, if they finished first, he would be able to sit down, read the playbook for that week, and I think he'd be just as confident going in. Like I think that buy had more importance than the uh, than the semifinal game. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. What are some other things we can talk about with this game? Just well, okay. Here, here's a good one. So Dane Evans did take you to the Grey Cup, but he'll come in at a cheaper price tag. Are you letting Mazzoli walk, or are you scared of Dane Evans now? And how much faith you can put in him. Ooh. I'm not scared of Dane. I would definitely keep him. And then it depends what Mazzoli wants. But he's a good quarterback. He'll want big money. I think you let him walk. Yeah, I think the same thing. It's funny. I was saying it for the longest time. I was saying, hey. Like, whichever team makes it out of the West is going to be Hamilton in the Cup. I was saying, I think Dane Evans is good enough to get you there, but just because it's a first-year starter, I didn't quite get you over that. Yeah, I mean, give him a year or two, absolutely. Absolutely give him a year or two, and then I think he'll be great, like, in Hamilton, like, literally this, but better, and with a championship. But yeah, (laughs) it wasn't in the cards this year, so. Yep. Um, But I think you keep him. I really think you keep him. And do we want to address kind of what Andrew Harris and Kind of what he was saying after the game. Because I feel like that partakes to us. Except for Carter. To me, to me, yes. (laughs) I feel personally attacked. Okay, no. I'm not one of those people. Yeah, address it. What did he say? Let's let's Oh, okay. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but... Roughly. Basically, he said, all you haters talking bleep, this is for you. Uh, Obviously in the win. Um... So I guess yeah, I gotta you know give credit where it's due. Congratulations, Andrew Harris. I did say he'd be juiced up for this game and elevate his physical play. <laughs> so 
hey, I wasn't wrong when I said that. He was very good this game. But, yeah. Um, I, I don't know how to feel because we they also said this on the sports cage. Now we're going to have to tell our kids, you know, hey, sometimes cheaters do win, you know, because <laughs> how am I going to have to explain to my kid, you know, Hey, don't worry, you got caught cheating. Don't worry. Uh, you can always end See, up a Grey Cup MVP in MOC just like Andrew Harris, you know? And the thing I wonder now, and it's like, I just, I want to know what happened because he said he sent the results away. Like, I just want to know what came of it. Yeah. Because if he, like, if he can clear his name, I would, like, that would be awesome. And I think he'd gain a lot of people's respect back. Yeah, cause... because I lost a lot of respect for him. I know yeah. it, I know people from all over the CFL listen to this podcast and Winnipeg fans or potentially players probably do. So I want to say, you know, I haven't been hard on Harris from day one of the season. I was very high on him, you know, at the start of the year. But once the steroid thing just happened, it really just tarnished all of that for me because... Yeah, this guy's been one of the greatest Canadians in the league for how long? But you know, how long was that affected by his exactly. potential it, use of steroids? Won. And there's a the one. There was a noticeably. Uh, hold on. There was a noticeable <laughs> statistical difference from when he was playing before and then when he got caught. There was a huge drop off there. So yeah, for me, I don't know. I just. I, I can't lie, I lost a fair bit of respect for him after that. I mean, you do also have to see, like, you know, when you're when you're sort of in your mindset and you're going at it, and then all of a sudden, like, let's say, let's say that this was a, um, like, a quote-unquote fluke test as in, like, accidental, like, you know, it was not, it was a contamination is what he claimed, right? So let's say that that's yeah. true. Um, you're going at it, right? You're grinding, you're having a career year, and then that happens to you. It puts you <clears throat> out of the mindset for two weeks, and then they put you back in, and you're that influential on the offense. I'm not surprised that he had a couple of weeks because, like, he probably wasn't all there, like mindset wise. Yeah, yeah. So, distracted and feeling bad, and I think oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> so, like, I I understand those couple of weeks. I think if that had translated like all the way to the end of the season, I think you'd have a more complete argument with that. But, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but that's just how I see that. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know. Like like I said, I've lost a lot of respect for him since this happened. It's just... Because we don't know. Maybe he got some better steroids. You know? And he's using that now. But, I mean, hey, he was using something from Jeez. back in the 80s that could easily be tested for now. But, yeah, I, I want him to clear his name because he is one of the greatest Canadian players in the CFL of all time. And if he can prove that, hey, he didn't do this and it's objectively true, then yeah, I'll eat my crow and say, okay, Andrew, you know, you were right. I'm sorry for what I said. But until he goes and either names what the supplement is or, you know, because he said he wanted to educate people and make sure this didn't happen again, there'd be no better way to do that than saying, hey, this is a supplement I took. Don't take this, you guys, you know. Because then this might happen to you, you know? And I mean, maybe he said that to his teammates in the locker room, be like, hey, guys, this is what happened. Don't don't take this over-the-counter thing. It's not good. You know, but it's just, until he either names a supplement or proves it was contaminated, I don't know. 
I can't, you know. I mean, I'm just wondering, like, what's the process there? Because I know it takes a while because you got to send it out. It's got to get sampled. It's got to, like, you know, sort of extract all, like, the the things in it. It's been I months, guess. though. Yeah. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it might take that long. We Like, we don't know the process. It can. It definitely can. Like, just... Especially because, especially like, you know, you don't know how many of that, you know, you don't know how long it takes to do one of those. You don't know what sort of, if it gets priority or if it doesn't. So, I mean, like, I'm just wondering if he gets it back, like, if he gets the, um, the sample back, the way that he's wording it, it sounds like this is a supplement that he used regularly. Yeah. That yeah. happened to be contaminated this one time. So if he gets it back and it does have this supplement or it does have this um the um anabolic in it, has Harris sent off a regular version, like one that he's taken in the past? Does he send that out as well to get it tested? Yeah, to like a sample A and B. Clean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that what that is? Like I just want to know what's actually happening. I think Exactly. Yeah. I think what he meant is he like sent like the <laughs> bottle that he was taking there, but even that could come back completely clean because you never know. Maybe it was one capsule or, you know, a certain, like, little particle in that batch that contaminated this, right? Yeah. But, yeah, we don't know because, again, we, we're just going off his word. We don't know. And for me, I need evidence. Like, I need, you know, objective evidence because he said, oh, there was a trace, but... We don't have yeah, the numbers I mean, to look at that and say, yeah, why it's was true, there Andrew. A trace? I mean, I, th I think the last, the last piece that I want to say on this is that I feel like we sort of exemplify the, um, like, the your side of it, where it's like, you know, you understand where it's like, he did, it, like, it's a bad thing that he did. You know, there's, yeah. like, he needs to come and prove that he's clean. And then I'm on the other side of that, where it's like, well, he's been tested a ton this season, and it only happened, like, however far in. So like you can see both sides of it, and it make that's what makes it such a polarizing debate because you could literally have people on every single argument here. Yeah, yeah. And if he is, if he did cheat, I mean, like I said, he could still be masking it because there are masking agents out there you can get. But I really hope he didn't. Like I said, he's one of the greatest Canadians of all time, and this has really tarnished my respect and a lot of people's respect for him. So. Honest to God, I really hope that he can prove that he didn't do this for the sake of the game. But until then, I just, I don't know. Because, you know, like, he clearly felt guilty about this for a long time. Like, this was clearly eating at him. That he had to mention it the first time he got to the media after the game. Mm. So. Yeah, again... We'll see what happens from there, and then I'm gonna ask one more question. I keep forgetting what it is, though. Um, huh. Some other questions. I think we got to Harris, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you guys got anything more? No, I think we covered it fairly extensively. Yeah, me too. I think so too. Uh, so we're gonna end this segment here. Obviously, again, congratulations, Winnipeg. Enjoy it. And see what happens next year in Saskatchewan in 2020. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, that'll be a fun one at Mosaic. I, me and my friend were talking. Could you imagine if Winnipeg somehow was the crossover next year? Oh, and Saskatchewan my makes the great God. Cup? 
<laughs> I'm, driving, I'm driving over there if that's the case. If if, the, if that does happen, they better add the because the mosaics actually expandable. They better add the other seats. Yeah, they better add more oh, seats because that place is going to be insane. Saying, well, here's what I'm saying. What if we reverse the scenario? How weird would it be to have to have like a whiteout in Saskatchewan? <laughs> oh my god! Because your team is representing the East. Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be nuts. <laughs> That that would be fun, a Winnipeg versus Saskatchewan Grey Cup in this era. That would be nuts. Yeah. In Saskatchewan. It, yeah. yeah, in Saskatchewan nonetheless. That would just that'd probably be one of the loudest games in CFL history. Yeah, I'd be coming. Yeah, I would I would definitely I'd be, be I'd there. Be, for I'd, that. Be, I'd be I'd be I'd be driving over. Yeah. So since the show would obviously be a lot shorter if we just covered the Grey Cup. We're also going to be covering the Vanny Cup, which happened this weekend. It was the day before. It was on Saturday. Calgary, the Calgary Dinos feed the Montreal Caravan 27-13. to Now, James is here because obviously he's our U-Sports expert. So, James, what did you think of the game? And long time coming for Calgary, but it was an overall... Uh... Slugfest. It was a very entertaining game. Uh, more entertaining than last year's uh, Vanier Cup, I'm going to be quite frank. Oh, and how'd that go? How'd that go? Uh, Calgary just... it They dominated the, uh, the game defensively, only giving up 17 points, but Montreal's offense uh, put up some numbers. 364 yards total, 289 passing, 92 rushing, but I think with the dinos is it's a uh, bend don't break sort of uh, like winnipeg's defense oh 100 percent. but the thing is uh montreal's time of possession was 35 minutes compared to 25 which that's quite uh it's quite a difference yeah for sure uh and uh adam sanagra looked very good uh throwing for 292 yards no doubt yeah, I noticed Sinagra. He had one pass. I think there was two minutes left in the fourth quarter. He just he threw it to a guy in coverage, and he couldn't have thrown it any better. He kind of threw the guy open, and it was a really nice completion to watch. So, Yeah, the Philpot brothers uh, on the Dinos are bona fide studs, both second-year guys from British Columbia. And they're, uh, they were their offense, besides the run- running the ball, but passing-wise. Uh, they were his uh, main targets. Yeah, their running back was pretty good. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about him? Uh, Robert Rod- Rodriguez. Yes. Uh, he's a fourth year. Uh, he's from the CJFL, played Okanagan Sun. Man, he's been tearing it up uh, with the absence of Jeshron Antwi, their uh, regular back, who's been dra- uh, drafted by Montreal. But, uh, man, Calgary's defensive line, they were just rotating guys in, constant pressure. This guy on a Montreal, uh, I forget his name, just couldn't get the ball off in certain instances because the guys are just right in his Yeah, for sure. So, since we're kind of already talking about this, who were some notable prospects playing in this game, and how did the Vanier kind of affect their draft stock? Well, there's Jamin Pelly, the Sky second-team All-Canadian, first-team All-Star in Can West. Absolute game wrecker 
uh, I believe he's a second year guy uh, just due to eligibility because he played juniors previous. I've never seen a defensive lineman be so disruptive in my life. Six foot five, 350, an absolute beast, just bullying Montreal center. He got a sack. Uh, it got called back uh, due, due to, uh, I believe, uh, a holding call. But man, he is vicious. I've never seen a man dominate another man that bad. He did the same against uh, <clears throat> McMaster in the semifinal. And wow, he is going to be a problem in the CFL. Uh, on the broadcast, they did talk about who he was offered a practice squad contract at the age of 19, but wanted to pursue college first. But man, that's impressive. One, one stud. Uh, though Montreal, uh, Montreal uh, lost, man, still, still a bright future for a lot of their guys, especially. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher his French name. Carl Shabbat, 128 yards receiving. The offense kind of went through him. But, man, he's going to be a stud one of these days as a Canadian receiver in the CFL. Sure. He's a guy whose name I heard a lot in that game. Yeah, and another guy, I think Adam Senegra. He did throw a pick. It wasn't really bad. It was one of those balls where there's more on the receiver. And I think this playoff run has really helped his uh, stock for uh, the CFL playing two of the two top defenses in U Sports, McMaster and uh, Montreal, and really pieced them up, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. Now, are any are all of these guys we talked about eligible for this year's draft, or are there a couple that teams may have to wait on? Jamin, you're gonna have to wait. I be I believe Shabbat or Carl rather. Yep. Not entirely sure, but Sinegra is one of these dudes. This is his combine year, and I expect him to tear it up. I want to see him do well. I want to see Canadian quarterback do well. Yeah, he's the guy to me I was particularly paying attention to, and it's an easy spot to do when you're the quarterback. So he looked good. He was throwing a accurate passes. The arm strength was there. So, yeah, he's the guy that I hope definitely gets a shot in the CFL and gets drafted in 2020. This is also Rodriguez, Calgary's running back's draft year. Oh. And, uh, yeah, he's – I expect him to do well in the combine. I'm not sure how he is in pass protection uh, just because I didn't see a whole lot of that out of him. But I expect him to do well just because knowing Calgary, statistically, they pump the most CFL uh, – produce, rather, the most CFL players and expect them to do some more of this draft. And Hunter Carl uh, – already drafted, uh, put up some pretty big numbers, uh, over 50 yards receiving and a TD, which they really needed at that time. I expect him to make an impact when he goes back with his team. Yeah, for sure, Rodriguez. I didn't know he was eligible for this year's draft, but, man, he looked good. So Yeah, he's, he's a fourth-year guy. Uh, he'll have another year to come back because with the U sports, uh, you get drafted in fourth and you come back for your fifth year just to develop. Yeah, hopefully those guys have bright CFL futures ahead. So on to our CFL news for this week. The CFLPA announced they're all-stars, so we're going to go through them. The quarterback, these are the offensive all-stars first. Uh, quarterback Cody Fajardo, Saskatchewan Roughriders. 
Offensive Ooh. tackle, Chris Van Zyl, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Offensive tackle, Stanley Bryant, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Offensive guard, Brendan Revenberg, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Offensive guard, Darius Sirocco, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Center, Ucumbray Williams, Calgary Stampeders. Running back, William Stanback, Montreal Alouettes. Fullback, Calvin McCarty, Edmonton Eskimos. Slot back, Brian Burnham, BC Lions. Reggie Bangleton, slot back, Calgary Stampeders. Brandon Banks, wide receiver, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Shaq Evans, wide receiver, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, JP Barassa, long snapper, Ottawa Red Blacks. Special teams, Mike Miller, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. My, my guy. Now on to our defensive all-stars. Defensive end, Willie Jefferson, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Charleston Hughes, defensive end, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Ooh. Armando Sewell, defensive tackle, Edmonton Eskimos. Dylan Wynn, defensive tackle, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Middle linebacker, Adam Big Hill, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Weak side linebacker, Simone Lawrence, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Strong side linebacker, Derek Moncrief, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Quarterback, Trey Roberson, Calgary Stampeders. Cornerback, Winston Rose, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Halfback, Aaron Grimes, BC Lions. It says Edmonton Eskimos, but it's BC Lions. <laughs> Halfback, Ed Ganey, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, safety. I think this is Rory Limbaugh. Uh, this is a hard name to pronounce, guys, so I'm going to try my best here. Rory... Combo, Montreal Alouettes. Hunter, Richie Leone, Ottawa Red Blacks. Place kicker, Sergio Castillo, BC Lions. Head coach, Kahari Jones, Montreal Alouettes. So those are your CFL PA All-Stars. Now, speaking of Kahari Jones, Montreal has finally extended him about time to a three-year extension. Toronto has signed former NFL running back Carlos Williams. Calgary Stampeders have released Dexter McCoyle to pursue NFL opportunities. Good. Calgary Stampeders corner Trey Roberson is drawing NFL interest from 10 teams. Roberson was previously with the Minnesota Vikings in 2016-2017 and is very likely to be in the NFL next year. Now, here's one that we're going to talk about. So, Toronto granted the request from James Wilder Jr. to release him. Where do you think he goes? Uh, I think he's going to the XFL to join his former Toronto Argonauts head coach, Mark Tressman, in the XFL Florida team. Uh, he's from Florida. He played for FSU. Uh, his dad played for in Florida in the NFL. Uh, it just makes sense, so I think that's where he's going. Uh, yeah, you can't paint like ev everything points to that. You know, you can't make a different argument, like because before he got released, I guess you could say that like maybe he'll stick in Toronto, but I mean, clearly that's not happening yeah. now. So yeah, there's only one other place he can really go. When when there was issues there, I thought there's not a chance in hell he stays in Toronto. So. Yeah, if he's going to come and play anywhere else in the CFL, it's either going to be Calgary or, yeah, he's going to be in the XFL. Yeah. I think that's the most thing. Now, this is an interesting one. 
Hugh Campbell has been in talks with the BC Lions about their head coaching vacancy. So, who's the front runner to land Hugh Campbell right now? I I think it's BC. Um, yeah, no, I just it seems like that's what their choice is. We've kind of been hearing that for a little bit. Um, you're hearing an old Hamilton's coach name up that I'm drawing a blank on right now. Tommy Condell uh, or Ken Austin? Uh, no, he was around in the early 2000s. Oh, okay, that I, I wouldn't know. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but uh, I've and I mean I've I haven't heard in the BC circles, but I've heard Danny Machocha's name still popping up like it does every year. But yeah, I I think he'll be the front runner in BC, and I think that'll be their choice. They released Deron Carter for that reason, so <laughs> that's just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> They released Sergio Castillo, though. That was interesting, especially with him being the uh, yeah. kicker. I so surprised. That didn't make any That didn't make Maybe he's getting an NFL shot, though, here's, and they just didn't announce it. Here's my only thing. Here's my oh, only yeah, thing. that's probably um, it. That's... If, it's not, if it's not the NFL thing, I really hope it isn't what I'm about to suggest that it might be. If he Medlock had some retired? sort... Oh. No. It... What? <laughs> what? Um, if this yeah, no. was some sort of ploy from the BC Lions... For him to not get bonus contract money, then that is a shame on that entire organization. Because I know that point. guys, they've, they're every organization in this league has done it, and it's a scumbag move every time. I really hope we're still not doing that. I really hope it's not that either. I know Ed Hervey put himself, despite his, you know, being Ed Hervey. Um, he likes to blame others for he. Points to figure out himself. That's why Yvon Quaybrook's got the boot. So, yeah, he could, he's tight for cap room. So I think he maybe maybe did release Castillo because he had some bonuses in his contract that we didn't know about. Man, I really hope that's not true. That's unbelievable if it yeah. is. Yeah, that's bad if it is. But yeah, we'll we'll find out. I'm sure soon enough. So since there's no game this week, obviously this upcoming week, I mean, um, we're gonna do special questions for all of our off-season specials. We're just gonna do one to kind of add it. So for this one, we are gonna rank the nine CFL GMs at the end of the year. So for me, I have Huffnagel of Calgary. Obviously, he's 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 a tier above everyone else. He's a great manager. You know, Calgary, they just they just always find guys. So he is on that list. And usually Calgary is a strong Canadian draft, too. So he also makes a list for that because I'm factoring that in. Kyle Walters, he's been great at drafting Canadians and finding Canadian talent. Again, um, he's okay at... You know, getting accumulating talent in Winnipeg. I mean, they just won the Grey Cup, so obviously he can't be that bad. So he, he's my number two. Number three is Brock Sunderland. He's been excellent at accumulating American talent. Uh, hit or miss in the draft, although they've probably gotten the, the best steal the past couple of years with Kwaku Botang. So I can't entirely knock his draft strategy and tends to take the best player available in the first round, which produced Tavon Smith this year, so yeah, uh, he's good at that. Jeremy O'Day, 
although this is his first year as a GM, he's definitely probably impressed me a lot with just... He had a very strong draft, and just seemed to find guys too, so... He's on that list, but he's not quite as good as getting the kind of American talent that I think Sunderland get. And for number four, we had to look this one up because you didn't know Hamilton's GM, admittedly. It's Drew Alamein and Sean Burke as Hamilton's GM. Obviously, they've drafted, I would say, decent, not, not as good as the guys ahead of them, but they, they've drafted fairly, and obviously they've been able to accumulate and keep very good talent in Hamilton, so that's why they are number, I believe, number four or number five on this list. Number, yeah, number five. Yeah, they're five. Yeah, okay. So, moving on. Joe Mack of Montreal. Uh, again, he did a pretty good job in the interim this year after the firing of Cavis Reed. Uh, Cavis was the guy who put most of this team together, and admittedly, he actually did a good job. So, maybe put this as Cavis Reed slash Joe Mack. Joe Mack, we don't know how he's going to draft, or if he stays with the team for that matter. And I know he's got a really bad... This is the tier where you're going to see a lot of bad coaches, or GMs, so... Mack in Winnipeg wasn't necessarily known for drafting Canadians very well, so that's why he's near the bottom. We have Mike Pinball Clemens. Um, again, we haven't really seen much from him, and Toronto is really a mess, so... Yeah, that's why he is number seven on this list. Now, these two coaches that are last here, or these two GMs, sorry... They, they're in their own tier. Ed Hervey and Marcel Desjardins of BC and Ottawa, respectively. Both of them decided to blame their woes on their coach rather than their own fault. For Hervey, that was put in around about a million dollars into just two players. And one of those being a right guard. Obviously, that's not a great decision invest your money there. And Marcel Desjardins... Let Trevor Harris, William Powell, and Greg Ellingson all leave, and he undercut them, so they they didn't have positive things to say when they left. So, his decision was to get rid of Rick Rick Campbell. Again, sorry, we, we pronounced uh, Rick Campbell's name as Hugh Campbell in the last segment. That was a mistake on my part in the doc. It says Hugh Campbell, so obviously we mean Rick. But... Yeah, he let one of the better coaches in the CFL go. I don't know how that fixes the problem of, you know, no quarterback and no talent on that team. That that seems to be his fault, but nonetheless, they Ottawa's just a mess. Okay, I think it's my turn now. Yep, go for uh, it. I'm not I'm not going to go into much detail as you did. I'm going to kind of give my list and talk about a couple guys here. Go for it. But I think the I think the pinnacle is John Huffnagel. We've all seen what he's done uh just around the league and he he always has the talent and there's always talent behind the talent. So I think he's your number one. Kyle Walters with the Great Cup this year and all the acquisitions they had in the offseason, I think he's 
right behind Huffnagel right now. Uh, I'm giving number three to O'Day. I think he had a good year for a first-year GM. He did walk into a fairly good situation, but uh, they, he himself made some good uh, good moves, so I like him. Uh, Sean Berg and Hamilton, like you were saying, um, they did well. They didn't show up in the last game, but that's not his fault. And They got really good talent out there. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Mack with my next pick. Uh, he's young, and yeah, it's kind of a slash Cavus read because we don't know fully what he's going to do yet, but yeah. it seems like the right pieces are in place there. Uh, and I'm going Pinball Clemens in Toronto. I just I hope he changes the culture there. They get players that want to go there and stay there for a while and get some success going. That's good for the league. It's good for everybody. Um, my next one is Ed Hervey in BC. While he did acquire, acquire a lot of good talent, uh, it's almost like he acquired the wrong talent because <clears throat> they didn't play well enough to get the wins but i think he's got potential and then uh rock sunderland and edmonton i don't like jason moss like he's one of the people i dislike the most in the cfl and he keeps him around so i was wondering uh, i was wondering why you had him yeah me too yeah that that's why i just i don't think that's a good move like he's not bad like he brings in americans (laughs) and stuff but i don't think he's the best but my last is obviously Ottawa's GM. Let everyone walk in the off season, uh, and it just doesn't seem like maybe they'll have something next year. But really, what do they have to look forward to at this moment? Like they're just kind of sitting there kicking rocks because it just it looks bad. So I just I don't think he should be there anymore, and we'll see what happens. That's my list. I'll, honestly, I agree with you. I think they made the wrong decision in who to fire in Ottawa, and yeah. Yeah, the only thing I disagree with in your list is Brock Sunderland. I think he brings in all the talent in the world, Canadian and American, but yeah, Jason Moss has been pretty bad, uh, respectively. But I don't necessarily want to completely blame him there because of the coach's cap. It's a lot harder to just kick a head coach Fire out and, and find hire. a new one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very true. true. Okay, so uh, for my list, um, if this was last year, then I'd be starting it out the same way you guys were. But, I mean, this is this year, you know, um, the Bombers are this year's champions, so I'm going Walters as one because he built this team up from nothing when he took over this team. Like, he had absolutely nothing. Our team was pretty much running itself into the ground consistently. And then he turned it around, built it into this team. And then I've got, <coughs> then I've got Huff. I mean, yeah, you guys, you guys said it best about him. He's like the perennial, perennial man. I don't perennial. Know always. Yeah. There we go. Uh, always being contenders for championships. You know, they're always in that conversation and not just kind of there. They're always there. Um, then I'm going with O'Day as third. I think, yeah, it's really good first year. Just nothing but good things to look forward to. Um, then I'm going Sunderland. And the main reason I'm going with Sunderland in this position, like in, uh, in fourth, is because if you look back on this past um, on the offseason, you could see all of the moves that he was making. Like, everyone that he's bringing on, and like, acquisition after acquisition, and these were good guys, too. Some of them didn't perform up to their expectations, but, like, at the time, you know, they're really good moves. Uh, then I'm... <coughs> Excuse me. Then I'm going with the uh, pair of Hamilton guys. I'm uh, going with them, because, I mean, you know, yeah, they're always pretty good. Uh, then, you know, I tend to know less and less as I go down about him. Uh, then I'm going with Mac, then Pinball Clemens, 
than Hervey and and Desjardins. And I mean, Hervey and Desjardins. My God. They're the dumpster fire tier GMs, to use your own words. Can I put them, yeah, can I put them both just as, like, like, because the thing is, it's it's disrespectful to pinball to have him near them. Yeah, like, like I would draw a line at pinball on our list because pinball, we don't really know. He's just in a bad situation. But these two are a special kind bad, of bad. They made you know? the bad situation. Yeah, pinball's just in the bad situation. Exactly. So now that we have officially entered the off season. I think it's fair that we discuss with our fans our, our plan for the show in the off season. We're not going to do what many CFL shows will do, which is, you know, leave you cold turkey all the way until the start of next year. Our plan is to do, at minimum, we're going to do one show per month. Uh, we're going to double this show as kind of the end of November show. Because, obviously, there isn't going to be much more news in a week from now. And expect a new show, basically, around New Year's. And then, again, at the end of January, start of February type of deal. And then, we are going to have some special shows for events such as Prospect Rankings. James and I are going to have our own show every time those come out. We're going to have a special free agency and where we think big fish are going to go and different things like that. And we're going to do post free agency and look at the teams and stuff like that. We're going to do draft shows. Uh, have a lot of ideas for that. We're probably going to do mock drafts and things like that. and Maybe uh, combines. <laughs> then we're going to talk about other special events uh, that we think are important in the year if something major happens. So yeah, if you want to know when those come out, uh, stay tuned to our social media. Uh, again, Instagram, it's True North CFL Podcast, and Twitter, it's True North CFL Pod. And be sure to keep following our Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube accounts for, to keep updated with the show. On behalf of our staff, I'll let Carter and Taylor say their goodbyes here. Yeah, well, I just appreciate everyone listening and liking our stuff and following us and being interactive. Uh, it's been a fun, uh, what did we do, half a season, I think? Yep. Yeah, so little, it was a fun half more, a season. Yeah, yeah I, I can't wait for next year. And, I mean, I'm already counting down the days till the CFL starts again. So thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll see you next year and for the months to come. Yeah, I mean, it's been this has definitely been like one of the highlights of my week always coming in. And like, you know, we always like, you know, we're a group of friends. We talk it before every, you know, in between every segment we talk before the shows, after the shows. And I mean, I'm just excited to keep the train rolling and I'm glad that we're not taking this time off and that we still get to, you know, we're still going to talk. We're still going to give out this content and still sort of supply you guys with some CFL. Cause you know, it's, it goes away for a long time. So we all miss and, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I certainly um, get bothered when, you know, there's no CFL content between December and really free agency and then till training camp. So that was one of my yeah, so, goals for this podcast. You know? Yeah, this will be one of the last times I get to say it out into the 
out into the world. So uh, congratulations to the Blue Bombers again for their uh, Great Cup championships. You ended the drought. You did it. I'm personally Bye. proud of everyone on that team. And, yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys do next year as well as the rest of the league. Hopefully some of these teams can rebuild and we'll have some really entertaining storylines going into next year. That's it for now for me. Uh, only twenty, only twenty nine more years until the next Great Cup. Eh? Oh. Uh, <laughs> maybe, hopefully, hopefully a little less. Hopefully I can't less. talk much. We we've only won four in our history, or five, five or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, but we yeah we can't say much. Yeah, no. <laughs> but again, yeah, this is this podcast literally just started from a group chat of a couple friends being like, "Hey, this is an idea I have." You know who could help with this and i'm so glad that we made this a reality and thank you to carter and taylor for being our main hosts and kind of being that reliable steady group that we really needed to keep this thing constant mm-hmm. oh thanks for hosting yeah no problem yeah, thanks for asking the right it's questions been, and arguing it's been and a great agreeing time, a yeah. lot and yeah it's been a lot of fun absolutely and obviously there's a lot of other staff that contribute to the show that you don't see. So I would like to thank our editor, Brandon, our other hosts that you've seen on this show in our early episodes, Logan and Joe Horn. I'd like to thank our draft expert, James Tease. James Tease, sorry. <laughs> but, um, Shout out to James. Yeah, James, our CFL draft expert. He and I are going to have a lot of shows together, okay? So I'd like to thank... What else is there? There's lots of others. We've had a lot of people contribute with this show. So Shout out to Logan for helping with game notes and facts and everything. Along with hosting one episode, he's also helped us with keeping our documents up to date because, again, some of us are university students and it's really hard to keep track of this sometimes when you're studying for midterms. So Logan's done a wonderful job with keeping everything up. So he gets another shout out for that. Um, who else here? I'd like to thank our the guy who really brought this us together and created the group chat that we're all in that started this podcast. Uh, <laughs> CFL dot commissioner on Instagram. Um, the legend. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he, he again he brought us all together and that's really how this started and he's kind of helped promote the show and help us grow a little bit more than we would have otherwise so i'd like to thank him and again all the other people who have helped in bigger little ways that I, i'd like to thank you as well and again we'll see you guys in the off season uh next show we'll probably be around new year's with these hosts and james and i will probably have a show in mid-december about the prospect rankings when they come out so again thank you guys for the wonderful year before before we uh before we shut it all down i just want to give one last thank you anybody who's ever seen one of our posts whether that's a player or just a listener and if you've reposted it, retweeted it, put it on your Instagram story, anything like that, it's all so much more helpful than you might think it is. It means the world to us. We all get so excited whenever we see like a player through that, through our like players of the week up on their story. It makes us so excited to see that community sort of, you know, 
show us some love. It's it's so nice. Sure, because the CFL, Truly. one of the things you love about the CFL is it's a tight-knit community of players and fans. And it is, it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is because, you know, in a way, everybody kind of knows everybody and it's easy to interact with, you know, whoever your idols are within this league somewhere. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that concludes the show. Again, see you guys. Maybe not quite the new year, but close to that. And again, we will have a draft show, so stay in tune for that. This is the True North CFL Podcast signing off for the 2019 season and moving forward into the 2019-2020 offseason. See ya!